And now, all rise for our national anthem. Katie and we are actually doing a remote today. We are up at Pope John the 23rd um, up in Charleston with an old friend and talent <laughs> in that order, um, Leon Alexander. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Dan. How are you today? I am fine. Actually, it's sun's almost out. It hasn't rained for almost 12 hours. It's, it's a good day. Yeah. So what's you up to these days? Well, what am I up to these days? Uh, I'm supposed to be retired. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am, so am I. <laughs> I. I am a Catholic priest, but what I do is uh, provide coverage for priests that want to get away for a vacation or conferences or whatever. And so this coming weekend, I will spend my fifth weekend in two Catholic churches, one in Logan, one in Williamson. Uh, this will be my fifth and last weekend there. And then the weekend after, which will be the first Sunday of Lent, uh, I will spend at three churches, Dunbar, Nitro, Bancroft, for the priest there who was injured in, uh, in a car. A car ran into him, hit him. He was a pedestrian, and he got hit, and a car broke about every bone in his body. Good gosh. So I'm going to be covering, covering out there for several weekends, uh, he hopes to be back by Easter Sunday, and uh, I hope that that happens, but uh, I think he'll be very lucky if he's able yeah. to function on Easter Sunday. It's a long recoveries and rehab three times a week, but sounds, I talked to him on the phone, he sounds very chipper, very good. Up. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Seems like a nice guy. I only met him once or twice. Right. He's a really yeah. nice guy. Uh -huh. Okay, so the first time we met... Actually, the first time I think we met, you were umpiring my son's baseball game. Really? Yeah. I did not know he that. Did, he did Little League. I, I, I remember you. I remember you standing behind the plate. I, I really do. That, that was, that was part, that's part of the love of your life. It's, yes. It's, oh, yeah. I umpired for better than 40 years. Good Lord. Little League, high school, college. Uh, even a, a men's, uh, an adult men's league in the Charleston area several years ago. And these were guys in their late 30s, early 40s, who, when they were younger, had been scouted by yeah. the majors, and they formed a couple of teams in the Charleston area. Excellent. And I got to ump for them, and that was like umpiring uh, Major League Baseball, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how much fun. You had a great love for girls' softball, as, as that I was recall. my favorite. Uh, my favorite activity in uh, umpiring was college girls' fast-pitch softball. That was the most fun I think I've ever had in 40 years of umpiring. <laughs> How cool. How cool. And then we did shows together. We have. We, yep. did, we, did, we did children's theater. We did... We did Mr. Scrooge. I remember that. Yes. You were my you were my uh, Marley. I was Marley to your Scrooge. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. That was that was quite the event. That was quite the event. Late eighties. Yeah, you were over was. at Blessed Sacrament. That's right. Mm -hmm. Blessed Sacrament was the site of countless rehearsals for us. You were Blessed Sacrament was our home for years. Yeah, I was pastor there for twenty years. Good Lord. Yeah. That was great. And then you helped us out. You helped us out with the first Mary. Because I needed to know background information uh, on Mary. And I, yeah. I remember coming to you and we sat down and, and talked about that and the mass and all sorts of things. Being a non-Catholic, I felt 
I should have felt a lot more strange than I did. Blessed Sacrament is such a, a welcoming, welcoming yes. place. Very um, warm. And very our, friendly. And our kids from CYAC still miss it. Yeah. They still miss going in. You want a cup of coffee? Yeah. We, we're sitting in his living room or in his dining room. I'll get it. Sit. Oh, all right. Uh, you can talk. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. What shall I talk about? I Ask me know. a question. Talk about me. <laughs> oh. Dan Katie has been a very good friend for many, many years, uh, as he indicated. Um, we, uh, we worked a play together for children's theater. Uh, it was called Mr. Scrooge, <laughs> and uh, Dan was, was the quintessential Scrooge, and I was the fattest ghost of Marley that anyone ever saw. But uh, it was a, a sort of a semi-musical, and uh, we had a good time putting on that show. Uh, we did several performances of it. And it was a. Uh, it lasted maybe an hour, hour and fifteen minutes at best, um, and uh, it was that was my first uh, huh. experience of uh, Charleston theater when I came to Charleston back in 1986, but oh, got involved yeah. in other theatrical pursuits in the course of my twenty years. There. You did 1776. Did that was one of my last shows. I did 1776 with uh, Charleston Light Opera Guild. And that is 15 years ago, and that triggered in me uh, an interest and love of colonial history, and especially the character of uh, Dr. Benjamin Franklin. And so after that show, I developed a one-man presentation of Franklin uh, that I've done for years with uh, uh, schools, colleges, civic groups, and so forth. Uh, worked through uh, the West Virginia Humanities Council on that. I uh, was under contract with them for several years. And uh, so I love the character of Franklin, and I love to present Franklin to, to groups. Uh, I enjoy that. It's a lot of fun. It's very challenging. Um, and uh, what I've done, I've read so much of uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, that the material that I have, a lot of it is uh, what you might call anecdotal. And uh, I can stand up in front of a, a group of people and just wing Benjamin Franklin for two hours, just piecing together the anecdotal things that I've heard about and know about. Excellent, excellent. And you still do it, even though you're not with the Humanities Council. Right, anymore. I do it, do it more independently now. And I do have one uh, uh, engagement coming up, but that's all now for the next few months. Excellent. When do you go to Ireland? Leave for Ireland on June 17th. 2020, and return on June 25th, uh, about uh, 10 days later. Excellent. We have uh, 14 in our group, very small group, a very manageable group, and uh, we're getting down to the point now of uh, paying deposit. I'm working through a tour uh, company in Dublin. They've been very accommodating, and uh, it's a joy working with them, so uh, we're going to have another meeting to uh, tie up loose ends, and uh, we're, we're hot to trot. We're ready to go to Ireland. Excellent. Excellent. I remember, good Lord, when was that? 1974, we went, we took a show to um, to Scotland. Really? Yeah. We did I a show in northern, in northern Scotland wow. on the island of Iona, among other places, and then yeah. came back and did, did the piece in London as well. That was... That was quite the adventure. That was quite the adventure. You do, you do a special character at Christmas time. I do. Uh, I perform or do a presentation of Saint Nicholas, who uh, was the forerunner of uh, our notion of Santa Claus. Mm. Um, Nicholas was, uh, as best we can determine, he was a, a historical character. Uh, he was uh, from Lycia uh, uh, in what is now uh, Turkey. It was in Asia Minor. And uh, he became a Christian. And by acclamation, when he was very young, he was proclaimed the bishop of, uh, of Lycia uh, in Asia Minor. And St. Nicholas, uh, there are many legends about him. He was renowned for his kindness, his generosity, uh, a lot of legends about miraculous things that he did. Uh, he, had, he became the patron saint of children, travelers, sailors, and of all things, pawnbrokers. Hey, uh, if you ever right. uh, see a pawn shop and they have the, uh, 
the symbol of the pawn shop, the three balls mm -hmm. hanging outside the door of the pawn shop, uh, that uh, symbol is based on three bags of gold that St. Nicholas supposedly gave to a very poor man whose three daughters uh, were engaged to be married because he was so poor he had no dowry to provide for them. And so he was going to be forced to sell them into slavery. Uh, and so Nicholas very uh, surreptitiously provided bags of coin for him and his three daughters. So that's the origin of the three balls hanging at the gold balls hanging outside a pawn shop. Amazing. <laughs> See, you learn something new every day, <laughs> even, even from a very small podcast. <laughs> One of the one of the one of the roles that you did for us wasn't actually one that I wrote. It was it was um, Thornton Wilder's Our Town. Professor Willard. Yes, Professor Willard. Professor Willard was the stereotypical, quintessential, absent-minded college professor. <laughs> and because of my aging, I, I was getting quite old at the time, if you recall, Dan. <laughs> I could not retain lines anymore, and so I really didn't have to act. I just got up there. But actually, you provided uh, my very short role, the script, mm -hmm. that I kept uh, on a clipboard. And, uh, and my short appearance on stage, I was able to follow along the script and, uh, and portray this absent-minded professor. And that was a lot of fun. That was one of my favorite uh, performances, one of my favorite plays to be in. I love our town. Uh, I'll tell you what, that was, uh, you had done, I think you had done a, a, one of the, like American, had you done an American Love Story by then? Um, yes, yeah. Okay. Did the uh, American Love Story, uh, you did two of them. Yeah. Norman Rockwell's American Love Story right. is what I did, right. yes. Okay. You, you don't understand how important you are to the kids in CYAC. And I know that you, you know, you're a priest and, and you have been important to all of the congregations that you've ever served, but this is different. The kids, they really do love you. Um, it's when you come, well, you know, you come in for, to an audience and they come up to you. And, yes. and that's special. That doesn't happen to, to many people, you know, most of the time. But it's, I don't know, I, I would like to say there is an element of spirituality in your presence that that just basically calms the, the kids a little bit more. Yeah, um, I would be inclined to agree with that. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to define, uh, but I look upon it as a, as a spiritual experience. Uh, I've worked with youth uh, for all of my ministry. I've been a priest almost 54 years, and uh, and I've always uh, had uh, good rapport with with young folks, children, teenagers, and so forth. And working with the kids at uh, Contemporary Youth Arts Company uh, has been just a great experience. And as you say, uh, the kids are are very open, very friendly, very polite, very respectful. And, uh, and that means a lot to me. And, uh, and I, like, I like being involved with your theater group. Uh, I wish I could be involved more. Uh, I keep offering you roles, and you keep turning them down for stupid excuses like going to Ireland. <laughs> well, but you see, one of my avocations is to travel. Uh -huh. I love to travel. And now that I'm sort of retired, uh, I'm able to get away more often and uh, uh, and go abroad, go to Italy or to Ireland, and, uh, and I just love to be on the road. But at the same time, uh, I still love theater, and I love to be supportive of, uh, of your group. Uh, so hmm. it's, it's been a joy for me in the years that I've known you and, uh, and participated in some of your shows. Uh, some of them have been, well, all of them that I've been in have been most enjoyable. Excellent. Excellent. And in a variety of places, from the mall to the to the old Capitol Plaza to where we are now. Yes. You haven't yet to do one on at, at our theater now. 
That's... Well, I have a suggestion to make. Um, <laughs> let me guess. <laughs> Are you still thinking of On Golden Pond? I'd love to do On Golden Pond, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah. What I'd really love to do now, if you recall the, uh, the uh, short opera by Giancarlo Minotti, he used to play on NBC at Christmas Mall and the Night Visitors. Mall and the Night Visitors. I want to play King Casper. Uh, that's that's the role that's on my bucket list now. Wow. Wow. Well, we used to do musicals at Blessed Sacrament. Yes. Oh. Well, and I suggested that to the former music director at Blessed Sacrament in South Charleston and uh, said, uh, you know, I can even get the talent for you. I can get a director, you, uh, <laughs> to direct the show. Uh, but I could not generate any interest in it uh, among yeah. the folks there but it's a it's a beautiful piece it is a be beautiful piece it is i was listening and i'm not trying to change the subject i'd love love to do that piece in fact that theater our new our new theater the the elk city playhouse would really work for it that. would lend itself yeah. to that show trust me it really would, it would a small be easy to produce and a small orchestra i mean yeah. just a, a, a four-piece um, string quartet would would do it. That'd be really cool. Well, you also need an oboe. Oh yeah, because Amal play just a little shepherd boy, crippled shepherd boy plays an oboe right at the beginning. Ah, ah, we could do that. We have oboists. That's an interesting thought. That's an interesting thought. Of course, we'd get we'd get tarred and feathered by the locals for not doing Mary. Well, no, I do this uh, along with Mary. I mean, Mary and Amal. <laughs> it's a double no, no, feature. You, you can't give up on Mary. Yeah. Mary, I swear, it gets better every year. It's just wonderful. It has its moments, that's for sure. I was listening the other day to Leonard Bernstein's Mass. Ah, yes. Is that not... That is so powerful. Oh, absolute brilliance. Absolute brilliance in that man. I never, I never got to meet him. I got to meet his children, but I never, when I was doing my forays into the into the city, I never, I never had either, you know, the fortitude or the guts to go and introduce myself or or, or do it. But you know who did was Maddie. Yes, Maddie told me. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I think she, as an infant, he held her in his arms. Yes, yeah, that's exactly right. He was, because um, uh, Maddie's mom worked worked with him. But what a what an extraordinary American composer Leonard yes. Bernstein was. I saw him at a distance one time. Uh, I was in seminary in Baltimore, St. Mary's Seminary, and uh, a group of us, uh, we would uh, go downtown, uh, go to a restaurant or whatever, and we happened to stop at the uh, uh, Peabody Institute of Music in uh, Baltimore, and it so happened that he was uh, doing a student conducting program uh, in the auditorium there. And we happened to go into the auditorium. The door, door was unlocked. We went in. And we stood in the back of the uh, theater, the auditorium. And uh, this young student was conducting a full uh, symphony orchestra. And every now and then, uh, uh, Bernstein would stop. Stop him and stand up and give him some pointers and so forth. And I thought, I, I'm in the presence of Leonard Bernstein. And so there was a, a kind of a guard usher standing there. And during one of the breaks, I asked him, I said, would it be possible just to go up and, and shake hands with uh, Maestro Bernstein? He says, no, no, you can't do that. You can't do it. I'm really sorry I asked. I, just, I should have just gone up. But uh, that's one of the moments etched in my memory that I saw Bernstein conducting. Wow. Wow. Did I ever tell you the story about We just finished Lincoln. We just right. finished Lincoln, though. Mm -hmm. Um, which was outstanding, by the way. It was it was good. It was hard work, but it was good. Um, when when the West Virginia Symphony did it, did you were you aware of it? No. Oh, Marielle, Marielle, and um, Jonathan. Um, wow. 
Well, this segment should be cut out. <laughs> you mean you have senior moments too? Oh, boy, I sure do. <laughs> anyway, they they and and Ryan Hardiman um did oh yeah did excerpts from it um one year and and we did it we did it down at the Clay Center and then and did it again up at uh, the auditorium of Woodrow Wilson up in Beckley. Mm-hmm. There was Grant Cooper was the maestro at uh, that yes. at that point. Yeah. Um and there was a Saturday that we were supposed to meet with the symphony, the um, all of us, we the, they invited CYAC to sing in the symphony chorus with them because we knew the, the piece. So we were supposed to rehearse with them. But that morning, I got there early and walked into the the big hall at at the Clay Center, and there they were rehearsing, mm-hmm. and there was. It wasn't a soul in the place except me and Grant Cooper and the symphony and and the the singers and and I got to sit in the front row and just listen to something that I helped create. Oh yeah, stunning! Yeah. I mean, you want a humbling experience. That is a humbling experience to hear that. It's amazing, amazing. Sometimes it's it's worth being an artist. Yes. You know? <laughs> Are you one of those starving artists that we hear so much about? Actually, yeah. <laughs> I am. Send your money. No, no. Now, I also hear that they're very temperamental, but I've never found you to be all that temperamental. No, just just as long as you learn your lines, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> right. There is a sign in the back of the theater that says, learn your lines or else. Well, what's What's in store after after Ireland? Well, actually, in store before Ireland uh, is going to be Italy. Um, again? Again. Well, a little Gee, bit different this you time. You might as well just get an apartment there. I, I could live in Assisi. I love it so much. Anyhow, it's a very, very small group, just five of us. Uh, my niece uh, from Richmond, uh, a cousin of mine from uh, Yorktown, Virginia, and uh, a woman who's a very dear friend of mine, I did her wedding years ago. Her daughter is like my surrogate granddaughter. And a priest friend of mine, uh, Father Chris Turner from Bridgeport, West Virginia. The five of us uh, are going to Tuscany in May. Oh, wow. And we're going to spend five days at a piazza in Montalcino. Uh, that's the place where they, uh, where they produce Brunello wine which if you buy Brunello wine here in this country, it's very expensive. But I think in uh, Montalcino, uh, it's rather reasonable. So I plan to drink a lot of Montalcino Flows wine. Flows like water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, that's, uh, that's going to be a very special trip. Uh, just a small group. Uh, so I'm not leading a tour. Uh, it's not a churchy type thing. Actually, we'll fly into Venice, uh, if Venice is still there after all the flooding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will take a very fast train down to Florence, uh, be picked up there and taken into Tuscany. And then from there, we'll go to uh, Naples and uh, from there to Sorrento to tour the what's called the Amalfi Coast, which is beautiful, very scenic. Wow. So it's going to be two weeks uh, in, uh, in Italy in May. I get back and I do my laundry. And turn around and get ready to leave out for Ireland. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I'll just be here. You'll be here. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, while I'm gone, you're in charge. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to, to speak with us today. My pleasure, Dan. Thank you for asking me this. All right. We'll be, uh, we'll be tuning in with music with Ruben Shirley in a bit. And um, I'm going into the archives and dredging out new music to play for you. So it should be quite the afternoon. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. And now it's time for Music with Ruben. Yay! Yay! (laughs) So what have you been listening to this week, Ruben? Um, All right, I think this week I'm going to talk about uh, VOCs. Um, I've, I've been listening to a couple of their their albums, their projects, just on and off, um, uh, among other things. And, uh, I've just now been like really getting into them. Um, they are a 
I guess, garage punk band from Australia. Um, they're not on Flightless Records. They had one record that was released on the label, but they're not a Flightless band. Um, they're just doing their own thing. They've been around for a while, I think. Um, I like to say they're, they're, their sound is if King Gizzard didn't switch genres so many times <laughs> because they sh- they switch genres a lot and i think the ocs is if they stuck with like their garage feel that they had at the beginning of their career um the albums that i've listened to so far i listened to their one of their 2019 releases called face stabber um and it's just you know crunchy uh crunchy guitar crunchy synths and some fast-paced drums uh it's really fun to listen to <laughs> It's every song is like an adventure on on that album, um, and then there's also an EP of theirs. I think oh. it was released in 2016, called "An Odd Entrances," uh, that I I really enjoy. My favorite song of theirs is on that EP. It's called "Jammed Exit," um, and it's just a six minute jam song with a really catchy four note bass line. Huh. Um, super fun to play along to. That's why I like it so much. Um, and then. A, I guess they had a, an album that kind of was a sequel to An Odd Entrances called A Weird Exits. Um, <laughs> and it has some continuations from like the EP. There's like a, a part two to a song on the EP. I forget the name of it. Um, I, 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 I really – I'm excited to listen to more because they have a lot. Like King Gizzard had maybe 15 albums in seven years. But VOCs has been around, I think, at least since 2005, wow. I think. And they've been putting out stuff at a steady pace ever ever since. Huh. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not popular here? No, not really. I mean, on Spotify, they have, I think, maybe 300,000 monthly listeners, um, which is a lot, you know, like, compared to, you know, small artists. But... This it's, podcast. It's, yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> um, but it's it's not a lot compared to, like, the huge artists on Spotify that everyone listens to. Everyone right. listens to, like, two of their songs, and all of a sudden they're super popular. Um, I, I, I appreciate what the small bands do, you know? This is true. That's what most of your commentary yeah. is Yeah, well, that's I, – I love Spotify so much um, because their discovery is amazing. They'll, they'll suggest an album. In fact – it it happened about some with an album that I'm about to talk about, so I guess I'll talk about it. Um, Spotify likes to recommend albums based off of artists mm-hmm. that you like, and you know I've talked about Bullant before on here. They recommended an album called Cold Hot Plums by Damaged Bug, and I listened to it. And I said this sounds very familiar, so I looked in the bio, and it turned out to be the frontman from VOCs. It's his solo project. Huh. And it's it's very similar to VOCs, just minus all the guitar. It's it's a lot of synths and and drum machines, and uh, you know just as fun as any VOCs album. I guess it was recorded during a hiatus. I think that was a um, like a 2013 hiatus. So oh. he put out like three albums and got back together with VOCs. Now they're making even more stuff. Wow, it's crazy how how people do it. You know that's that's their life. That's why I love it so much. Like, come on. <laughs> to answer the trivia question last night. Yes. Came up with the Supremes and Martha and the Vandellas, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Those, those seems to be the only two girl bands that have stayed together for longer than five years. Is that true? I don't know. I didn't look it up. I just, oh, okay. That, that's, that's those just are the only ones I could come up well, with. There, well, there is, there is an Australian girl band. Oh, of course there is. There is an Australian girl <laughs> band. They are on um, the Flightless Record label called Stonefield. They're a uh, a four person sister band. Um, wow. I don't know how long they've been together. I wish I could tell you. I could have looked it up since last night, but I didn't. No, I know they've I been together either. for at least three years, probably longer than that. Uh, I like them. I like Stonefield. My mom really likes Stonefield. <laughs> she she likes uh she likes girl bands, and she also really enjoys like hard rock, <laughs> and it's something that you wouldn't expect my mom to like, but. Of course I would. Would you? Yeah. Would you? Yeah. Hard rock? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm surprised, honestly. Um, so what's your recommendation for next week? Uh, let's go for an oldie. I think it was released in 2005. That's not an oldie. Well, okay. <laughs> an, an oldie to... 
<laughs> the only to me is 1961. Okay, sure. But, <laughs> okay, I retract that statement. Thank you. Let's go with an album from 2005. That's a much better the Grand Pecking order. <laughs> the Grand Pecking Order by Oysterhead. Okay. Uh, have you heard of Oysterhead? Not at all. Well, you know how last week I was talking about the Claypool Lennon Delirium. Right. Uh, Oysterhead is made out of um, Trey Anastasio from Fish, which is how I fig- found out about them because my mom showed me them. Les Claypool from the right. various things that he does, and then uh, Stuart Copeland from The Police. Wow. Plays drums. I've heard of The Police. Yeah, That's yeah. good. And it's a, it's, a, it's a collaboration between the three of some some really freaky music. It's, it's it, it, you know, 2005, it was like during the Iraq War, and so it's a lot of anti-war, anti-Bush, anti-like hard drug songs. Good album. So what is the name of the group again? The Grand Pecking Order by Oysterhead. Oysterhead is the name of the group. Okay, very good. They're actually, they just came back, which is why I'm talking about them. They're playing at festivals around the country. Huh. Um, they just decided to get back together, I guess. Now they're playing their, their music for people in festivals everywhere, which I think is so cool. Outstanding. Thank you. I'll talk to you next week. All right. You? Sounds good. And now a new weekly segment um, LGBTQ topics with Ariana Clay. How are you doing this week? I'm pretty good. Cool. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, as per request of Abby Conant, I'm going to talk about um, like straight actors playing gay characters in movies and TV shows. Cool. So, um, in the like Hollywood industry and acting and all that, it's typically harder for LGBT actors to land roles and stuff because the everyone sees them as like the gay person so they don't want to cast them as a straight character or anything like that so really they can only be cast as lgbt characters like generally um so then when they end up casting straight actors to play the gay characters then the gay actors have even less roles that they could play less opportunity and all that why do you think hollywood won't won't cast gay actors. It's like less marketable. Wow. Yeah. From what I've read. Huh. Um, and they don't want, they might not want the movie to be seen as like the gay movie just because there's a gay actor in there or something like that. You think that's, boy, it's like one step or, you know, five years, ten years ago kind of yeah. way of looking at it. I guess it's the way you make money though. So. Yeah. And there's many different sides to it, because on one hand, we definitely want, would prefer to have straight actors playing gay characters than have no gay characters at all. And, like, when you look at, like, Brokeback Mountain, played by, um, the two main characters played by Heath Jake. Ledger and Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. that movie, like, really helps create more gay movies in the future, but they're both straight actors, so it's like... Why not just have two gay actors? Yeah. That's weird. But I I remember reading about that movie, and um, as it was, there was a lot of protest to the movie, so, like, having two straight actors helped make it be, like, made. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's, it's a strange concept. And then also with, like, personally, I feel like with gay characters, it's not as big of a deal as, like, trans characters. Yeah. Because I definitely think that trans characters should be played by trans actors. Like, 100%, I think they should. If if the trans actors are available. Yeah. That's, I mean, I did, we did a trans show. We did, we did Harry, um, Fred and Harriet. There was nobody. Yeah. There was, it, that was never even an issue, but it would be cool to try. Yeah. But you know, in, like, Hollywood, there's obviously going to be every kind of actor. Yeah. They just have to, like, know about them the movie or show so i don't know it's just bothers me when it's like the character's like a trans woman being played by a, a cis man yeah like, i don't like that <laughs> um are, are we are we though putting the trans actors up for ridicule by saying that or by casting them Possibly. Do they have an obligation to try out for a trans role because they're trans? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, do they have to 
only right. play trans roles, or can they also play like cis characters? Right. It's that's the thing. Like, there's the argument that if straight people can't play gay roles, then gay people can't play straight roles, and it's like this whole thing. But we have tons of gay people playing straight roles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. There's, I read that there was like 25 people nominated for playing gay characters, like Oscar nominations, and they were all straight, and it's like, imagine if gay people could get those awards. That's, wow. Yeah. That's, that's a ter- that is a terrifying statistic when you think about it. Yeah. And yeah, you know, you can go back to the, to the old argument that obviously this is, this is a transitional phase in hopefully a sociological um, process that will eventually make it un- just irrelevant whether you're gay or straight. Yeah. But the process matters. Yeah. And we've seen that. We've seen that in in the civil rights era. The process matters. Yeah. And that's interesting. It's almost like a lot of straight actors helps get. Um, like the film industry to where it is where there are more gay characters but now it's time for like more gay actors to also be getting those roles and um, many actors have different views on it like there's some actors who think like everyone should be able to play whoever they want there's some actors who disagree like Darren Chris, he played um, the assassinator of Giovanni Oh my god, what's his name? Versace. Oh, Versace, yeah. Yeah, he played the dude who assassinates him, who is a gay character. And I think he was nominated for an award, and he said after that he's not, he's never going to play another gay character again because he doesn't want to take the opportunity away from a gay actor. So, there are changes. Yeah. That's... Okay. All right. My question... My question is in 30 seconds or less... What is my role in the process at CYAC? Well, um, I don't know. Because I'm always in that, in that, well, not always, but most of the time, yeah, I am in that position where you don't want to out a high school kid. Yeah, true. You know? And, yeah. And even, even if they're out, you don't want to publicize the fact that they're out. Yeah. Just because there's a, there's still that whole thing going on. It's definitely a situational thing. I think if you have the opportunity and the consent to cast an actual gay teenager as a gay role, then you should go for it. But like you said, some ki- kids aren't out. Some kids are out, but not to like the general public. Right. So I guess it's it's definitely a situational thing, which is also what some actors think that they think that um, gay actors just shouldn't come out because. Um, like lessens their opportunities and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for bringing it up today. That You're was welcome. a great a great topic. I will see you next week. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Ariana Clay. All right. Now it's time for sports with John Bogus. John, what happened this week? Well, I'll start off with uh, giving a little bit of an update of what we talked about last week. Uh, with WVU basketball, uh, WVU got a win this week against Oklahoma State University. Uh, it was a pretty good win, over 10-point win, but I don't think they were expecting Oklahoma State University to be winning this game. Uh, but surprisingly, uh, they lost to uh, TCU uh, the other night. Uh, that was an upset, and uh, it knocked WVU back a little bit. They're now no longer ranked 14. They're now ranked 20. Huh. Uh, yeah, and on top of uh, WVU uh, basketball and all that with the college sports, uh, uh, Kansas has now risen to the number one spot, and Baylor has dropped down to two with uh, Kansas beating Baylor this week. Oh, so we're ranked 20th. Yeah, we're 20th. So we're still eligible for the NCAA. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. You don't even have to be uh, ranked to be in March Madness, but if you are ranked, you're going to be in March Madness. Excellent. Um, and then with the XFL, which I talked about, uh, last yeah. week, which is the new football league that has been playing now that the NFL season is over, 
the Roughnecks, uh, the Houston Roughnecks managed to stay undefeated this week, uh, getting a win over the Tampa Bay Vipers. But the D.C. Defenders uh, lost their undefeated title, uh, losing to the uh, 0-2 Los Angeles Wildcats in You're Los kidding, Angeles. really? Yeah. <laughs> they were looking to be uh, better than the Roughnecks, but now the Roughnecks are obviously going to be taking the top spot, being the only undefeated team left. You think you think they'll they'll ever play the Redskins? <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody joked about that. I saw in the comments section of a defenders post that these guys are playing better than the Washington Redskins. <laughs> Guarantee you put both of them in the arena and the defenders win. <laughs> that would be that would be something. Motivational if nothing else. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh, that's about updates from what I talked about last week. Uh this week I'm going to talk about hockey a little bit. Excellent. We don't have a hockey team in West Virginia. <laughs> no. We don't uh, even have ice in West Virginia. <laughs> right. Um, but for the first time I went and I uh, saw a hockey game live. And honestly, it might have been the first time I even watched a hockey game. I don't huh. think I don't know if I've ever watched one on TV. I mean, I've probably seen highlights of things before. Um, but, yeah, um, I was up in New York this weekend and I uh, – Got to go see the New York Rangers play the San Jose Sharks. And the New York Rangers uh, came away with that game, uh, winning 3-2. to two. Uh, Jesper Fast uh, was able to score two goals for the Rangers. And uh, their goalie, Igor uh, Shesterkin, was able to stop 44 pucks from Good going into the gosh. Goal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as for the Sharks, uh, Joe Thornton uh, made both those goals for the Sharks, but it was a pretty good game. Uh, I was glad that I got to experience this. Um, you know, again, it was my first experience with hockey, and then everything I'd be too interested in it. But it was it was quite interesting to watch, and I is think it, is it as violent as as people say live watching it live? There's definitely not a lot of fist fights like you probably think there would be. I probably, well, yeah, because, I mean, all you see on TV are the highlight right. reels that, that show the fights. Yeah. So. Uh, there was definitely a lot of shoving into the glass and pushing and hitting each other and stuff like that, but I think there was only one or two times where the refs had to, to get in between something. Huh. So I don't know if uh, if people necessarily think there's a ton of fist fights. Two might be a ton of fist fights to some people, but yeah. I only witnessed two fist fights. But they didn't drop their gloves. There's some cases where they'll rip their gloves off. And uh, when I took the Madison Square Garden tour, they actually uh, said that if they drop the gloves, the refs let them fight because the refs don't want to get hit. But if they have the gloves on, the refs will step in uh, huh. and stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. What are the crowds like? Um, in New York, they are pretty fantastic. I was hearing all kinds of angry New Yorkers yelling at the, the game. It seems like the only time uh, they weren't yelling is when uh, they had scored a goal. Every other time they were yelling at the Rangers <laughs> that they needed to pick up their game. <laughs> yeah, Not bad. What, what else did you see in New York? Not that it has to be sports-related. Um, well, I saw the Empire State Building. I saw the new World Trade Center. Got to visit the Radio City Music Hall. That was pretty cool. Um, got to sit, uh, go up in the balcony of that and see what the stage looked like from the top. That's a heck of a stage, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. 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 And then some other things like the NBC Studio Tour and, of course, just walking around Times Square and the Metropolitan Museum and just, oh, you went? You went? Mm -hmm. Oh, great museum. Yeah, great but museum. we only had an hour, so obviously that was like <laughs> only enough time to see like six of the rooms. <laughs> <laughs> if you made it through the lobby, you were lucky. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks for um, thanks for coming by for another five-minute jaunt <laughs> through West Virginia sports and national sports. Um, what do you suggest we watch this week? Uh, well... Uh, since I watched hockey for the first time this week and I quite enjoyed it, I would suggest uh, maybe seeing if there's a hockey game you can watch. Um, I don't know quite specifically what game to watch, but I do know that the Rangers are playing their rivals, the New York Islanders, this week. So. That's, oh, man, that is the – yeah, I was – I'm a Jersey boy. That's – yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the one. All right, well, thank you, John. No I'll problem. talk to you next week. Strange things happen, ladies and gentlemen, on my way to – Searching through the music archives for some new music today, I ran across four girls who were down on stage at the Elk City Playhouse rehearsing the girls' room um, for a 
an upcoming production perhaps sometime in March. So I kind of sat in and I thought you might be interested in listening to what the first scene of this play is about. Um, this is being recorded with permission from the Eldridge Publishing Company in Tallahassee, who is uh, the publisher of this play. So here we go. This is Grace Javens, Susanna Atkins, Afton Myers, and Amanda Skidmore in scene one of The Girls' Room. I swear to God I'm going to quit and get my GED. I am. It's still dark out. Good morning, Alicia. Bite me. No, thanks. Bill Jackson hates me. Mr. Jackson hates everyone. No, he really hates me. God, I hate that man. His beady little eyes and those teeth. How'd you like to pucker up to those babies, huh? Yuck. Is he married? Of course he's married. You see his wife every day. No way, who? Debbie. Debbie. Debbie? No way, Mr. Jackson is married to Debbie the cafeteria lady? Mm-hmm. No way. God, can you see them kissing? They don't have any kids, do they? Two. Uh, Mr. Jackson and Debbie. How do you know this? I get here earlier than you do. They come in the same car. Carpool. They kiss each other goodbye. No. Yes. Hey, this is the senior bathroom. Up yours. Up yours. <laughs> would you two shut up? Pupnagel would be in here in a shot if she knew we were in here. We're in the bathroom. Before the bell. You know the rules. You can't pee before homeroom. Must be nice to have a sister. Terrific. Where were you? I waited in front of Dad's for ten minutes. I got a ride. With who? Whom? Whom? Or old butt-breath Jackson and Debbie the Double Wide are going to kick your ass. Whom do you get a ride with? You see, that just does not sound right. Whom do you get a ride with? Nobody says that. I didn't say anybody said it. God, do you think I'd use whom? Do I look like a whom girl to you? So Sharon Pooh picked you up. Michael Dietz. You can't be serious. Joni, didn't you tell her? So, it's only a ride. What are you doing, Elaine? He's nice. He's not nice. He's dangerous. So? I wasn't alone with him. Carol and Georgie were with us. Oh, now there's protection. Beavis and Butthead with boobs. You're not going out with him, are you? No. I believe that. You better not be going out with him, do you understand? Yes. No, you don't understand you're not going out with him. But, Elaine. Alright, alright, I'm not going out with him. But he is cute. Elaine. Elaine. You look terrible. Thank you very much. You still didn't sleep? I did. A little. I'll be alright. Mm. God, you're a mess. What's wrong? Nothing! Elaine. I didn't mean that she'll live. This whole place is full of perverts. You know that? Jimmy Burnside is not a pervert. He's my boyfriend. <laughs> There's a difference? Screw you. Alicia. Well, I'm, I'm not saying you date perverts, though. In this case. Alicia. I love him. How can you love him? I love him. Besides, I'm not sure he did anything wrong. What? When you came back to my house Saturday night, you were pretty sure. Yeah, but you know how I was. I was crying. I mean, he scared me, you know? God, in the back of that car. Yeah, he didn't do anything wrong. No, you don't understand. Jimmy and I have been going out for two weeks. If you call that going out. We've spent a lot of time together. He's got a right to- He's what? No, not like that. That's not what I meant. Alicia, you had sex with Homer. Shoot, you never went out with him at all. Homeboy? Yeah, but that was different. How? Well, for one thing, I'm legal. A big deal like that ever stopped you before. What? Come on, Alicia, you haven't been a virgin since you stopped playing with dolls. Is that what you think? That's what everybody thinks. And just who's everybody, I'd like to know. Or do you believe what they write on the walls in the boys' room? It's just what I hear. Well, it doesn't make it true. And, for your information, homeboy and I loved each other. For one night and one night only. You too. Sorry. I couldn't resist. Man, we... We spent four years trying to hook up. Jenny, what was the name of the boy you liked in the seventh grade? What boy? You know, the one with the red hair. Alicia. He had that funny name. Horatio, but everybody called him something else. Bunny? Yeah. <laughs> you liked Bunny? You had a crush on my brother. Mm, worse than that, she hurt for him. <laughs> I loved him so much I ached. <laughs> it's not funny. 
I even planned our wedding and our honeymoon and where we were going to live. He really liked you, you know. Mm, that's cruel. Don't tell her that. Yeah, don't tell me that. He did? <laughs> he, yeah, he had your name written all over his sneakers. I never saw that. That's because he thought he could wash it off, but he used a Sharpie and it wouldn't wash. He spent three hours in the bathroom trying to scrub your name off. Finally, he started to cry. I laughed. <laughs> Aw. That's love. Mom bought him a new pair the next day. But what does this have to do with you and Homer? I felt the same way about Homer from the day I first saw him in homeroom in ninth grade. And he felt the same way about me, but he was attached. Remember Harriet Cody? Ew. He dated her? That whole year. And I was still going out with Jake. So you had sex with him, didn't you? If I told you no, would you believe me? Did you? Actually, no. I was too young, and he, he was a senior. It just wasn't natural. So, homeboy and I loved each other from a distance for almost four years. He'd always have someone, or I'd always have someone. We never could connect. And then finally, we were standing in line to order yearbooks last month, and he turns to me and he says, I've got to tell you, I have loved you for my entire life. What was I going to do? So, you ripped each other's clothes off right there on the gym floor. No. We waited until that night. That was the longest four hours I have ever waited. And... Well, what do you want? A play-by-play? What I don't understand is how come you two weren't a hot item afterward. I mean, you waited four years. I don't know. I would have, I guess, you know, gone out with him some more, but he didn't seem real interested. We see each other a lot. I really like him, but not like that anymore. He's a sweetheart. Well, you look a lot better than when you came in. But that's just it. How did you and Homer both know you wanted sex? You didn't say it, did you? We didn't have to. We knew. God, we knew. Yeah, well, maybe Jimmy had the same feeling, you know? Maybe he thought he knew. Catherine, I didn't try to scratch homeboy's eyes out in the back of his car. I was scared. Did you want it to happen? No. Did you want to have sex with Jimmy Saturday night? No, but maybe I let him on, you know? No, how? We went out for two weeks without sex, that's how. God, I hate this place. You gonna be alright? Yeah, sure. The only difference between rape, being raped and having sex is the word no, right? We both know that's not true. Might as well be. I'll be alright. God, I hate this place! And that just about ends episode 8. I'd like to thank our guests today, Father Leon Alexander, Ruben Shirley, Ariana Clay, John Bogus, and the cast of the Girls Room. The Playwrights Logbook is recorded at uh, Elk City Playhouse in scenic Elk City District of Charleston, West Virginia. My name is Dan Cady. Thanks for listening. <laughs>